Hello, everybody, and welcome to this Wednesday 100 pound meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. It is Wednesday, the 27th of December 2023, and I am delighted to introduce Marla S to be our speaker today. She lives in Iowa and came to real recovery, her words not mine, in November 2012. And she's here today to share her experience, strength, and hope. Marla, when you're ready, please take it away. Thank you, Harry. Boy, I love listening to your accent and your phrases. I'm writing them down because they're very fun. Um, hold on one sec, guys. I'm just going to start my own timer, too. Um, hello, everyone. I'm Marla. I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Des Moines, Iowa. And I'm thrilled to be here today. I'm grateful to be here today. And in fact, um, I had the opportunity to speak here uh, in March on my husband's birthday, March 22nd of 2020. And that was right when COVID was kicking in also. And so I got a chance to be here and to share with you. And it was such a high. And I'm just thrilled to be here again. But I want to let you know that between that meeting and today, it's just amazing because my life has not been a piece of cake. There have been several really bad things that have happened in my world with my family, my family's health and a very, very good uh, friend, mother figure dying and in those past years. And I want you to know just right from the start that the, I'm almost brought to tears just right now thinking of it because despite my friend dying, my husband having surgery, he almost died. My daughter had the day of the share back in March on this meeting Later that day, my daughter um, went into like a coma and had to be rushed to a hospital and was like non-responsive and now has a brain aneurysm and brain problems. And my son became a drug and alcohol addict in these last three years. And I did not one time, thank you to this program, ever think of turning to my food to, to, to relieve me. And that, I just wanna say that right up front, it makes me shaky almost. That this program to take me, and I'll tell you my history in a second, but coming from where I started before I started in OA 12, 11 years ago, November, I could not, by the time I walked in the rooms in November of, of 2012, I was at the point in my eating progression where the moment I woke up and had my first conscious breath, immediately my hand had to go into my nightstand drawer where I had bags of mini chocolate candy in there. No, I'm not talking more than like 10 seconds of alive <laughs> and awareness that right away I couldn't handle life, whatever it was. And I'm immediately shoving chocolate in my mouth from the moment I wake up. That's how bad it got at the end before I walked in. I'd like to start um, by just telling you a couple stats and um, my highest measured weight that I ever was, um, that I know of, was 284 pounds on a pretty small frame. I, at the tallest I've ever been, it was 5'2", and uh, now I'm about 5'1", but 284 pounds on a 5'2 body, um, that was over 150 pounds more than what I am today. And life as a morbidly obese person, um, in I was wearing like a 5X, in my tops and dresses, um, a 32 in my pants. Um, I couldn't move very well. It hurt me to stand for three to four minutes. It 
walking from my front door to my mailbox made me lose my breath. I had to go into yoga contortions to do basic body hygiene. Um, it was embarrassing. I felt sweaty all the time. I felt stinky. I had low self-esteem. I was really terrified that one day at the end, I was going to have to call and work fat because it was gaining weight so rapidly that I couldn't, I, I was terrified that one day I just wouldn't have any pants that would fit. Um, and, and I had lost by the end and the, the way the food progression had gotten so bad for me at the end, um, I had lost pretty much all self-esteem, all sense of aliveness, all spirit, all spunk. Um, and I would go through the motions of living as a mother of two children and a full-time employer, employee and a wife. And I would go through the motions of life as a walking dead zombie. And I'd put on my little smile and I'd go out into the world and let you think that I had a life. And then when I come after work, get right back in my car and I had donuts and whatever else it, I needed like by the end and I'm starting at the end. I want you to hear that first. I needed like a steady drip, an IV drip of high fat foods and high sugary foods constantly flowing through my body in order to make it through a day to feel, to just feel okay. Just feel okay. I don't know what I thought was going to happen if I didn't supply, you know, but it's like the heroin addict until I could get my hit. I mean, I was really, truly very edgy, very irritable. The big book talks about restless, irritable, discontent. If I'm not using when I wasn't using, I was edgy, irritable, discontent, sad, depressed, so many emotions. And, and I couldn't tell you why. I mean, cause I had a decent life. Okay. So what had happened is the food took over my life. Now, um, Ken, Kevin, is now a good time to show the pictures, do you think? Okay, um, Kevin was, I think, kind enough to be the one to make the collage of the pictures. Let's see if we can see them. If not, I have it on my own um, screen somewhere. I'm not seeing it. Is anybody else seeing pictures? Okay. Hmm. Almost saw it. For those of you that are just listening, you can't see. Oh, there we are. I come up for a second and then I go away. It's like, ah, poor movie. I'm sorry, I've had having some trouble with it. If you, you want, want to try sharing them from yeah, here. I'll, um... I'll go ahead and share mine. And if not, we won't have to do it. Let me just try here, guys. Um, let's see. Can you guys see the start of this photo here? Would somebody say yes or no? So I know if you see it. Yep, that's come up, Marla. Okay, good. Can you see this little arrow? Okay, yep. so this was at like my 25th wedding anniversary party. These clothes had to be handmade by a friend of mine because I needed a costume for like a disco theme party and I couldn't find anything at all in my size. Here's my astonishing beach babe body um, that I went through the motions and put on bathing suits and did stuff, but it was hell. Um, <laughs> And then just some pictures of life on a very small frame. And today, this is pretty much what I look like. That was a couple of years ago. Here's me in 19 and here's me in 
2010, 11, and you can see a tremendous change there. And I want to just sort of zoom in if I can figure out how to do this. If you just look at my eyes in that one school, these are school photos. Over. I just, I look at those eyes and they just look dead to me. I mean, I just had the unhappiness in there. So anyway, I'm going to stop that share. So I may, today I will tell you I am um, happily, gratefully, miraculously still astounded every time I reach in the dryer and pull out a pair of pants. I went from my high of a size 32 pant to now I wear a size 10. And I have been in a size 10, the same pants. This I even have some of the same pants <laughs> for the past 11 years. Um, I have maintained approximately 100 20 to 130 pound loss for 11 years in a row. And I couldn't maintain, you know, an 11 pound loss for five minutes before program. So those are the stats. Um, back to the beginning of the story, um, you heard how bad it got toward the end. You know, when I was a little kid, food was not, it was not uh, hurting me. It was, it was a joy and I liked it a whole lot more than most children did. It was much more on my radar than theirs. Um, and then high school, that's when they started to become family problems. The food took on more like of a soothing thing. I, I started to have to have it to make myself feel better. Uh, I, I didn't have any boyfriends. I felt left out. I didn't fit in, you know, all that stuff. And I started eating bigger quantities. That's when the lying started to my parents, sneaking out to go take the car to the ice cream place, going from hot dog stand in Chicago to hot dog and hot dog and just spending a lot of money for a high schooler on food. Um, the consequences at that time, I was getting heavier. Uh, my self-esteem was going down, getting more lonely, feeling more like a loser. The senior year of eight of uh, high school, I gained 80 pounds in one year. There was some family trauma going on with my parents and uh, it was stressful and I didn't, I, I couldn't cope. So I had made attempts to lose weight at those times. I did lose 35 pounds in Weight Watchers. I tried therapy. I tried diet pills. I went to Overeaters Anonymous senior year of high school, tried that for a while. And I really liked it. It made me feel loved. It made me feel uh, cared about. I, I bonded. I knew I wasn't such a, lo a loser, you know. Oh, and I did meetings and fellowship, meetings and fellowship. And that was lovely. But it didn't get me well because I didn't work the steps. Uh, then college years, again, I'm off on my own. College is a wonderful time for binge eating. Um, I could get access to all the food I wanted at the, at the buffets and, you know, all my parties. I never got drunk once in college, but I sure got drunk on food. Every party I have was always about the food or going out for ice cream with my friends. And my focus was always on the social aspect of eating. But then it started little by little to be like, I don't really care if they don't want to do it. It wasn't like, oh, where do you guys want to go out for uh, dinner together? It was like, this is where I'm going to go. If you want to come to my place, I'll go with you. Otherwise, I don't need you. That was pretty much food started over time. The quantities were increasing. The, the desire to have it was becoming more and more frequent. I would think all night long about what I was going to bake in the morning the next day and get up really early to do that. Um, and the binges started too. Um, I'll tell you one thing that was really amazing. And, and this is something that I've learned that I don't, I'm sure most of you have, if you're not a normal eater, like I'm not a normal eater. What blew me away was looking at normal eaters eat. 
it really pissed me off because I had a roommate in college. She was a petite little thing. And her mom sent her a tin of cookies around holiday time. And I watched her one day from my bunk bed. She was sitting at the desk with a tin right next to her. And she was doing her homework at the desk. And I saw her pick up a cookie, right? And she went like this. And it, it just it just astounded me. She picked up the cookie. She put it in her mouth. And she did this. She took a bite. And she chewed it. And then she put it down on the napkin. And I was going what the hell are you doing woman you know i could not like she put what is the point of putting the cookie down you know because for me the moment a cookie enters my mouth i go off on this you know oh my god one is good so let's have two two is excellent let's have five. Oh, five. and before i know it the whole tin of cookies is gone with without me knowing how it happened but she would and then she'd pick it up again and have another little corner my daughter used to torque me off. She would reach into her little bag of M&Ms and she'd reach in or pour out like three or four, put them in her mouth and put the bag down or roll it up and put it back in the cabinet. That was like speaking a foreign language to me. I had no concept how they were doing. And I interpreted that to mean that I had no self-control, that I am willpowerless, that I'm a loser. What's wrong with me, right? Okay, now this is how my life went on. I would watch normal eaters throughout my adulthood, throughout college life. I'm watching people who can, normal people who can overeat on Christmas cookies around holidays or other people steal their children's holiday, a Halloween candy like I did. Okay. Other people can binge on, you know, February Valentine's chocolate every now and then, and they might overeat for a little while. I've seen people at Thanksgiving, they get really fat, they get really full, and they're laying there with their hands on their belt. And other normal eaters can overeat sometimes too. They can look like I did for a little while. But the difference between the normal eater and Marla, who happens to be the type of compulsive overeater that is described in this book, I am an alcoholic eater, okay? I start eating and certain foods I learned over time in this program, that there are certain foods that when they go in my mouth at all, one bite, one bite establishes what they call in the big book in the doctor's opinion section, an allergy of my body. I discovered that my body is very abnormal. The same way that somebody who has an allergy to bee stings has an abnormal reaction, or somebody who's allergic to peanuts, when they ingest peanuts, their throat breaks out and they or they close up their throat and they can't breathe. Does that mean they're a loser? Does that mean that they're weak? Well, if I had a better, stronger willpower, uh, my throat wouldn't close. No. So it took a lot of the blame away when I started to get that in program, starting back in 2011, 2012, when I studied, started studying Big Book, it, it took away some of the shame too. And that, that was helpful only because of this. It wasn't like, oh, yay, there's that excuse. So no wonder I keep doing this. So now I'll keep doing it, right? What it did for me is it helps me understand today why step one, admitted I'm powerless over food and my life has become a man. Step one becomes very important then because when I understand 
that when I put, for me, it happens to be high fat foods, like deep fried stuff and heavy duty chocolates and desserts and things. When I put that stuff in my mouth, the big book describes, it triggers for me an abnormal reaction that is what they describe as an allergy of the body, okay? I didn't ask for it. There's nothing I can do about the allergy of the body. I will have it for the rest of my life because there's no treatment that changes it. But once those foods go in my mouth at all, I cannot safely ingest them, just like the alcoholic cannot safely ingest alcohol. I don't know if it's going to start me on one minute of binging or if I'll be able to stop that day. Some days I might be able to stop for a little while. Maybe it won't come back in for another five five days, or maybe I could throw it out the window, or maybe I can really quickly make it disappear and then call my sponsor and, and, and start all over. But what it does is it triggers something in me, in my brain, in my body that makes me need and crave more, 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 more. One Hershey bar was good enough when I was seven or eight. But then by the time it progresses, we have a progressive illness. It, I need more, more, more. The more I eat, the more I want. And then I start eating against my very own will. I remember some of those last binges as it got to really bad quantities um, in my later years before program, I would get like a day back on a diet. And yeah, it took me months to try to make it through the day, white knuckling. I'd walk through the lounge and not look at the treats, you know, and, and eat my own lunch. And I'm trying to get one day together of not binging my brains out. And I make it through the day. And then I get to uh, driving home from school and I'm feeling so proud of myself and yay. And all of a sudden it's like this thought would pop into my mind. Well, why don't you get the apple crisp and the fried chicken at the grocery store that you pass every day? I used to stop there like almost every, I'm telling you, I wanted one day, one day. And I'm driving, driving. No, 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 no. Well, maybe you can have this. You, you'll just have it a little bit. And then tomorrow you'll start, the, the crazy brain starts in then too. So even though I knew I couldn't handle the one bite because it always leads to more, the problem was I did it anyway. Against my own best judgment, even though I wanted to lose weight and stay thin and get thin. And, and that's what I wanted so much. More than I, no, don't do that. Marla, don't, you've been so good. Don't, don't, don't. No, 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 no. You know what'll happen? No, okay. And there I go into the store, out in the car, in the dumpster area, just shoveling, shoveling the food and crying because I don't want to be doing this. So that's the second thing I am powerless over. I've learned in OA that I have a two-part disease. I'm powerless over food and my life has become unmanageable. Why? Number one is I know I can't handle even one bite of those foods in my system, the foods that kill me, that led me to be so miserable in my life. And for me, one of them is like putting a gun in my mouth and pulling the trigger. Because you know, when you pull a trigger and the bullet leaves, sometimes it grazes the brain and you get lucky and you don't die. Sometimes it passes the back. Sometimes it just does a little bit of damage. Sometimes you die. Sometimes you get in a stroke. Sometimes you go in a coma. The deal is once you pull it, you have lost control of what's going to happen. And that's what happens to me when I put a first bite of my alcoholic foods in. So I've learned that I must, the first step for me, entire abstinence. 
like the alcoholic who cannot kid themselves and think, oh, I'm going to work my 12 steps while I'm just having a couple ounces of whiskey a day. Let me just have a little, a little beer on the side. I'm only going to have beer on Saturdays. I'm only going to have a little bit of whiskey, but I'll stop at 7 p.m. Or I'll put the glass down in between sips. All the years I spent trying to find a way to moderate the intake of my alcoholic foods. It couldn't be done. But I spent a lot of time trying. And the second reason I found out that I'm powerless is that I kept trying to stay away from those foods that I knew I couldn't moderate. But what would happen is the Big Book talks about there is a mental twist, a crazy, crazy for some trivial excuse in all the years of my eating history that despite every ounce of self-knowledge self I had, therapy, Marley, you cannot have it in any form. You want to be okay? Just never have the sweets. You'll be good. Just don't touch them. You'll be good, right? And I could do that for a while. I dieted successfully on and off in many different programs. And in fact, the year before I joined OA this last time, I had lost over 100 pounds in a commercial program. And I was not eating those foods for seven months and doing very well. And people, you know, I thought I had arrived, you know, Bill Wilson, I had arrived. And I thought my Some minutes was, left. Mama. Oh my gosh, it goes so fast. Okay. So anyway, needless to say, what happens is the mental twist, something will kick in. And all of a sudden, things that I knew were killing me before that I wouldn't touch for some reason, my brain gets hijacked and out of the clear blue, it starts to believe really stupid excuses, really crazy thoughts like, well, I'm never going to get those again. I, I better have it today. But, you know, I'm just going to have it today. Or I'm in Mexico. You know, when I eat peanuts in Mexico, the Mexican peanuts won't make my throat close. Right. Or it's my birthday. Today, it's my birthday. And if I eat peanuts on my birthday, it's not it's going to be different. The lie that told me it's going to be different today. It'll be different. I'll be okay. And I just lost all rational thinking. And that's why step two, when it says, came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. I didn't think I was insane. I made a lot of pretty smart decisions when it came to being a mom and my job and, you know, running a household. What's the insanity? Well, I learned that the insanity is that a compulsive eater like me, I believe lies. I'm the one who tells them to myself, my brain without my permission, despite a whole period of doing well on any diet or being in a program of whatever it is, I get hijacked. That's something I cannot control. I don't know when it's gonna happen. Part of my daughter's brain issue is that she has seizures. Anytime, we don't have any clue when they're coming, okay? My daughter has self-knowledge up the wazoo. She knows she has seizures. She even knows that they're going to be coming. But just because she knows that she has seizures does not give her the power to stop a seizure. Get Look, I know I'm a compulsive overeater that can't put any chocolate or high-fat foods in my mouth. But just that self-knowledge and knowing, oh, no, once you start, you can't, it wasn't enough. Because when Sammy has a seizure coming on, she, she can go, oh my God, I'm having a seizure. I don't want to have a seizure. No, I'm not going to have a seizure. You cannot self-will yourself not to seize, can you? And if I don't understand in this program that I cannot self-will myself into having a brain that sees reality when it comes to food, my brain doesn't do that. 
And I finally got desperate and I realized I need something because I can't, no matter how long I'm on a diet, no matter how much weight I lose, no matter how badly I'm on it, against my own will, someday I will start eating again. I have no defense against it. And so I will fast forward. I know this is very out of sequence and I'm sorry. I just can never keep a story going in a straight order, but please forgive me on that. Hope you're getting bits and pieces here. I um, walked into OA after I tried OA three times in the high school, early college, early thirties. And then I didn't come in again until 49 years old in 2012. And at that time I was beat. Then that was the only time I was ready to work the steps. Why? Because I had beaten bloody to a pulp by the food. When I lost those hundred pounds the year before, and I finally had the body that I had wanted for so long, and I was healthy and I could move and I could see my feet and I could cross my legs and I could go on rolling. I had all the things I thought I wanted. I had the weight loss, but that wasn't enough because my brain still got hijacked one day. And I started eating chocolate chip cookies that I thought I was just going to have that one day. And that started me on like another month or two of the most horrible binging of my life. I gained 30 pounds back in one or two months. And it was terrifying. I did not want to go back to that body. And so that's when I walked into OA. And I remember standing at the podium the first night. And I thought to myself, Literally, they let you go up there to get your chip of desire, your 24-hour chip of desire. And I wanted it badly this time. I knew I was desperate. I was willing to do anything. And I walked up. To, I remember the exact thing I was thinking. Will somebody please get control over me? That, that was it. I knew I had no control. And that evening... I was willing to do anything. I stopped the fighting. I stopped telling the sponsor what I needed to do for my food plan. I got abstinent that evening. I put down those alcoholic foods. And I'm not going to tell you it was easy. If anyone tells you that putting down your food in the beginning is a piece of cake, no pun intended, they're probably lying. But if they're not lying, they're lucky. Because for me, Putting down my food in the beginning was a white knuckle experience. I had to get five all minutes, Mona. Thank you, thank you. I had to get all my trash out of the house. I had to change all of my habits. I stopped going to restaurants for the first three months of recovery. I made myself go upstairs to bed when my husband went to bed much earlier than I would because I knew I couldn't trust myself to be on the main level with food. I would binge terribly at nighttime. I didn't go in my staff lounge. I didn't go to parties. I changed my life. I didn't go out to eat with friends. I I, I, I finally started asking friends, like, do you want to go on a walk? And I'm like, that is so foreign to me. Do you guys want to come over and play games? Do you want to exercise together? But I started having to do other things. The first week of abstinence, I was angry. I was irritable. I was grieving. I was depressed. I knew I was losing my best friend. It felt like that. But you know what? The only reason I was willing to white knuckle it is because I knew from you guys that there was hope in this program. I had heard people that had been maintaining their weight loss happily, contentedly abstaining for more than 10 years in OA. 
And then when I heard those long timers, and now I was like, oh my God, you don't have to die in this disease, mom. And I wanted what they had. So I started listening to the people who had what I wanted. And I just followed their directions and my sponsor. We used to call her Hitler. I, I hated her. She was so mean in the beginning. And I hate to say, I'm not meaning that to offend anyone because I, I personally did not. But it, she was so mean, I felt scared of her. But I did it anyway. And it was like, if you're drowning in a grave and you need life and someone reaches your hand, their hand down into your grave and dirt is, I was suffocating. They reached their hand down to me. They said, take my hand and do what I tell you to do. I'll pull you out. And I used to say things like, yeah, but could you change your nail polish first? I'd really like to see someone that has pink polish instead of red. And I just wouldn't take the hands because I wasn't desperate, but I got desperate. I forced the food down. I made phone calls when food screamed at me. I wrote, I went to meetings, I took a walk, I took a nap, whatever I had to do to keep it down while working the steps and doing assignments and weighing and measuring my food and doing all sorts of things that I didn't want to be doing. Why did I do them? Because I had no other alternative if I wanted to get well. And I just had to do the suffering and I prayed like crazy those first few days. And then eventually after the first week, it got easier because the allergy foods were leaving my body. They were detoxing. It gets easier and easier. And the more I worked the steps, the less I started thinking about food. And over time, I went through all of the steps in a few months. It took me a few months to get through the steps. And while you're working the steps, sometimes you're going to have those food thoughts. But it's not the same as a brain hijack. There's a difference between having a food thought and having my brain get twisted and hijacked. No, a food thought is, oh, I really want to eat. I really want to eat. I really want. That's a time I can intervene. That's a time I can make a call. That's a time. But it, it was that drive, drive, drive. No, 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 no. That's different. Then I'm screwed. That's like a seizure. Okay. But I can intervene at the time. I can pray, God help me. God help me. God help me. I can leave the room. I can make a phone call. And the more I work the steps today, by the time I maybe four or five months at most, I had come to the 10th step promises. Food lost interest to me. I changed my life from the inside out. I was placed in a position of neutrality by the higher power that I had developed a relationship with. I didn't have that from the beginning. You don't have to believe in God. You don't have to have a relationship with higher power in the beginning. You get that as a result of working the steps. As long as you are willing to do the work and do the steps and not just show up at meetings, get hugs and make phone calls and talk to people. People and the fellowship is fabulous, but we, the fellowship, are not the steps. The steps give you the recovery. Today, thank you, God, I am placed in a, a position of neutrality. I can be around any food there is. Nothing about food bothers me. I have touched food. I've baked food. I've been in rooms. I was at a lot sorry, I was at a staff lounge party once where they had to turn the whole room into Willy Wonka chocolate land. And when I walked in there, you guys, my first response, what they even had chocolate fountain. My first response was, wow, this is so pretty, pretty. That is not a word I would have used prior to that. In the past, it would be like, how can I get everybody the hell out of here so I can get as many as I want and keep going back, right? I sat alone. All the other teachers left the lounge. I was alone with Willy Wonka. And I sat there in the room just looking at it. didn't bother me one bit. 
today. Okay, thank you, Harriet. I'll finish with this. If you are new, if you are in program and you're still struggling, if you can stop fighting and just be willing to do the initial pain, you can get a life you dreamt of. You've, you've dreamt of that you don't fight food anymore and that you can have an absent life and feel so many other good things that happen to you. And with that, I will pass. I'll leave my phone number in the chat and I love outreach calls. Hopefully it made some sense. Thank you, I pass.